Welcome to the Calvary Podcast. Get ready to dive into an inspiring message. Our aim is to share teachings that bring transformation and hope to your life. So, open your heart, be ready to listen, and prepare for a powerful encounter with the Word. Let's get started. Numbers 11, 4 through 6. 4 through 6. And it says this, verse 4, it says, The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If we only had meat to eat, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. At no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlics. But now we have lost our appetite, and we never see anything but this manna. We never see anything but this manna. I don't know about you guys in this room. Have you ever been in a place or a circumstance in your life where your feet are in one place, but your feelings are in another have you ever been in a place like that? I don't know if anybody can relate where your feet are actually in one spot, but your feelings are in another. I know when I was a little bit younger, uh, just a little bit younger, we, I, I had the opportunity to come here uh, for ministry school, um, and it was, it was an incredible time. We went through Master's Commission, some of you guys know. Uh, some, some of you guys remember the Master's Commission program, and so... Um, it was, it was an incredible time. I got the opportunity, but during that time, you're not allowed to date anyone. All right. right, So you take nine, 10 months or whatever it was, and you're not allowed to date. You're not allowed to do anything like that. But there was this girl that came down from Illinois, Moline, Illinois. (laughs) All right. I did not date her while she was here, uh, during that program. And so here's, here's what happened as we started, as we started like getting closer as we started to just kind of, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was amazing. Like, ministry was happening, and then, like, I started developing a little bit of a crush on this girl from Illinois. And so I remember this one particular time. We were in Gaston, Alabama. We were doing outreach. We were doing ministry. Incredible moment. And there was this lady that, that we, uh, that some, the whole team was in this park, and, and somehow... I don't know how it happened, guys. Somehow me and Kimmy were together. I don't know how it happened. Somehow we were together. We were in ministry mode. And so here's, here's what happened. There was a lady who was, who was homeless that was there. And we got the opportunity to, to pray with this lady. She was telling us all kinds of unique details about her life. And she was one of the things that she was doing is she was picking up pecans and putting them in a bag. And she said, this is... This is the time to pick up pecans. This is when you need to be picking up pecans because this is the best time because she was like, and so we started, we were eating pecans and talking to this lady, ended up leading her to the Lord. It was an incredible moment. One of my favorite all-time memories with Kimmy. We got to the place of graduation. And I, I told her, I, you know, during, at, at that time of graduation, I, I confessed my undying love for her you know I let her know and she and so she in in not so many words she let she let me know that she was fired up about your boy too you know what I'm saying like she she let me know you know but here's what happened the next day she goes off to Illinois I'm in Alabama in that point we did not have smartphones we did not have you know we were not able to really uh, keep up with each other very well. And so we, we talked a little bit, but we kind of moved on. And, and a couple months into it, 
And, and we moved on because I was dumb. Okay, let me, let me just put that out there. I made, I was dumb. And so here's what happened. Like a couple months later, uh, th- th- there was a girl from my high school. And, and I guess, I don't know if she was fired up about your boy too, but it was just a little bit unique. <laughs> a little bit unique. And so we, you know, she, uh, you know, just through, uh, we, I decided, we decided to go on a date together. Okay. So the day before we're going to go on this date, right before we're about to start off master's commission again, the second year, we're about to go on this date. There is a package that comes in the mail. Yeah. There is a package that comes in the mail. I, and it is from, is, is from Moline, Illinois. There's a little box. I open up this box and out of this box, I look, and there is a note in this little bag. And the note says, I'm praying for you. And the note said, or the little bag was a bag of pecans. Guys, my head was messed up from that point on. And ever since, she's had me. You know what I'm saying? Like, from that point on. And I remember I, I went on this date. I mean, I saw like the day before a date, right up, like right at that moment, I went on this date and I, this whole time during this date, she's in my head. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm thinking, you ain't Kimmy. You don't smell like Kimmy. You don't look like Kimmy. You ain't Kimmy. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, what in the world? It's like, I, 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 I'm like, uh, you're, you're, I don't even remember what we even talked about during that moment because all I could think about was I got to get out of here because this isn't Kimmy. I miss Kimmy. I want to be with Kimmy. And so this is, I, you know, back in the day, there wasn't like we didn't have smartphones to take selfies. But I was like, I'm not about to get in that little box and pay money to get a picture of this date. I, I actually don't want anybody to know I was even here because I miss Kimmy. And so I don't know if you guys can relate to that moment or relate to a moment where your feelings, see, see, my feelings were up in Illinois. My feet were in Alabama somewhere. And so I don't know if you can relate to a moment in your life where your feelings have been one place but your feet have been in another. You know, it worked out really well for me, but I'll be honest with you. About 99.9% of the time, it does not work out when your feet are in one place and your feelings are in another because the enemy uses your feelings like a leash. Did you hear me? He uses your feelings like a leash to keep you trapped in whatever process, in whatever system, in whatever phase of life you just walked out of. He loves to use it like a leash. Do you know that sometimes that the miracle or manna can be right in front of you? Manna is on the ground. And here's what it says. They had an appetite for something they experienced while they were in Egypt. Because your memory, your feet, your feelings aren't always in the same place. See, your feet can be at a new job, but your feelings still mad at your old boss. Your feet can be in a new church, but your... Are y'all... Are y'all hearing me? Your feet can be in a new church, but your feelings still mad at the old church because of the way they treated you the last time you came to church. Your feet can be in a new relationship, but your feelings still mad at the ex who treated you badly in the previous relationship. Because here's what we know. 
Your feet can even be at Calvary this morning. Your feet can be at Calvary this morning. And here's what I know. But your feelings are on Instagram or on some type of social media site scrolling while somebody's preaching or while somebody's leading worship or while something's going on. Listen to me. Your feelings and your feet are not always in the same place. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. And so if you're going to get to Canaan, if you're going to get to the promised land, if you're going to walk into your moment, if you're going to walk into your new seasons, if your feelings are still in Egypt, I want you to hear me this morning. You will be stuck in the same old cycle, same old routine, wandering around in the desert. Because here's the deal. What Canaan represents, what the promised land represents is new. Did you hear me? It represents new. It represents new relationships, new friendships, new networks, new homes, new businesses. I don't know about you, but I'm believing God for some new stuff this year. I'm believing God for some new stuff next year. I'm, I don't want the same old, same old. I want something brand new. I want something fresh. See, God may open up new job ideas for you this morning. God may give you new streams of revenue, new friends to connect with. We need to say, God, what do you want to bring in my life that's about to be new? I'm ready for the new. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. See, so many times we think we need a new relationship. We need a new church. You think you need a new job. But here's the issue. So many times we bring the old self. We bring the old self And so as long as you keep bringing in the old habits, as long as you keep bringing in the old unforgiveness, your old issues, as long as you bring the old into the new, you know what will happen? You will contaminate every new thing that God is trying to do in your life because you keep bringing in the old into what God is trying to do new into your place, into your life, to your destiny, and into your purpose. See, I remember for me, I remember there was this moment where there's miraculous manna on the ground. Most of you guys understand and, and know that my dad was a drug addict. He was saved and God did amazing things through his life. But before that point, there was a moment in his life where he spent up to five years in prison. And I was young. And there was this moment where my dad, there was people that came up to my dad, some of his family. They, they, wanted, they decided to have an intervention for my father. And so during this intervention, my uncle, my, my grandfather... They're all, they've all been praying about this. And they come up to my dad at his place of work, which is at my grandfather's business. And they come up to him and they say, Jimmy, we want to, we want you to go into this godly rehab. We want you to go into this place. Now, he had just gotten out of prison. I need you to understand that. And he had went back to the same old pattern, same old routines, the same old Egypt, the same old thing. He was back addicted probably even worse than before. And so they come up to him, and they have this, this encounter with him. They have this intervention with him. And they say, we, wanna, we want you to go into this, to this godly rehab. And my uncle said, I'm going to pay for everything. I'm going to take care of it. And my grandfather looked at him and said, you know what? While you're gone, the kids will not have to worry about anything. I will keep paying you, even while you're gone, the entire time. So that your family will be taken care of. So that, so that this, so we can end this cycle. So we can end this, this moment. And my dad looked at him and you think that in that moment that there would have been something that shifted in his life that really 
would have said, man, let's go. Let's do this. Let's get out of this. But you know what he said? He's like, he asked him a couple of questions. He said, is there, do I have to have a roommate while I'm there? And they said, yeah, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's like that. And he, and he looked at me and he said, do I have to, is there a time that, uh, uh, where you eat and there's a specific type of meal that you're going to eat? And they said, yes, that's all there. And he's like, is there a curfew? Am I allowed to go out of, you know, what's going on? No, they said it's extremely strict. And my dad looked at him and said, you know what? That's prison. That's prison. See, my dad's memories. Y'all didn't hear me. His memories in that moment kept him from his miracle. Do you know and realize that you can be in such a negative mindset that God wants to do a new thing? Isaiah says it like this. Do you not see it? Can you not perceive it? Can you see the manna on the ground? Or are you so stuck in what the enemy did to you 20 years ago that you can't see that this ain't prison? This is actually freedom for your life. You see, whenever you're stuck with a slave mentality, you will, you, you can free the chains, but your mind is still in bondage. See, Pharaoh has to let you go physically, but he keeps a leash on your appetite. He loves to keep a leash on your appetite. And so as long as you have memories that are stuck in the past, your memories will keep you from appreciating the manna, the manna that's all around you, the miracles that are all happening all around you. See, I'm always blown away by how God delivered the children of Israel. I love that story. I love how he frees the, the Israelites. God snatches them out of Egypt. Me, side note, they've been praying for this moment. They've been praying, God, deliver us, deliver us, deliver us. And then he delivers them, snatches them out of Egypt, snatches them out of slavery. And, and they get to this place, they get to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh in this moment has changed his mind and, and now is in hot pursuit of the Israelites coming back to capture them, to put them back in slavery, to put them back in bondage. And the Bible that I read and the Bible that you read says this, that God pushed back the Red Sea and they walked through and it, it makes this statement. It says that they walked through on dry ground. It said they walked through on dry ground. Now, it's, it's adamant. He pushed it back. And they walked through on dry ground. See, for me, I start, there's questions that start arising right there in my mind as I'm reading that. But how was that ground dry? There was water all over that ground. And God, why was that ground dry? Why did you, why is, why are they walking out? Why did you say that in your scripture? Why did you make that adamant that it was dry in that moment? And so I feel like that this is what God said. God said, I walk, I let them walk through on dry ground for the same reason your mama told you to take your shoes off before you went into your house. So you wouldn't track your past into your future. You wouldn't track the mud of your past and your situations into your promised land. So you wouldn't track what you, what had happened to you into your next, into your future, into the place that God has for you. And so we serve a God that says when you, when, when, that says when you follow me, we serve a God that says when you follow me, you won't look like what you've been through. You won't look like what you've been through. You've been through it. Everybody in this room, we've been through it. We've been through disappointments. We've been through the letdowns. We've been through the mess ups. But we serve a God that is able to clean your tracks. 
Every piece of it. He's able to clean your tracks. He says, I'll cover you when you're weak. I'll make it so that people can't even smell the fire that you just went through in your life. I don't want you tracking up your future with the new things that I have for you. With the dirt of your past. I don't want you tracking up your future with all that mud of your past. With all the situations of your past. I don't know what you've been through. But I want to declare over your life today. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know your situations. I don't know your circumstances. But I want to declare. What you've been through is not going to decide where you are going. Where you've been is not going to dictate your purpose. You need to give him some praise. If he's ever had to clean up your tracks. If he's ever cleaned up anything for you. You need to give him some praise. If he's ever had to do anything for you, give him some praise. We serve a good God who's able to clean your tracks. See, I got to give you the good news first. The good news is this. He's able to clean your tracks. The bad news is you're going to have to cover your thoughts. I said you are going to have to cover your thoughts because God is faithful and he will cover your tracks. But you're going to have to control and dominate what you think about because of memories of your past. Because the memories of your past will keep you from appreciating the manna and the miracle that's on the ground right in front of you. Right in front of you. So today I got some things that I'm going to talk about. I got a few keys that we're going to go through on breaking up with Egypt. Breaking up. It's time to break up. The reason why I said break up is because we're going to break up the way I told our teenagers when I was a youth pastor. We're going to break up the way I told our teenagers to break up. We're going to break up with Egypt. See, when, when I would talk to them about a breakup, you know what I would say? I would say, breakup means you delete their number out of your phone. A breakup means that you block them on social media. Do you hear me? A breakup means that you don't keep the old teddy bears. You don't keep the old teddy bears you, that they got you on Valentine's Day. Listen, a breakup, you don't keep the old sweaters. You don't keep the old jackets. You can buy your own jacket. You can buy your own sweater. When I when I say break up, I mean either burn it or return it. I'm not talking about something that you could go back to. <laughs> you see, God didn't God didn't just let them listen. Didn't just let them walk through the Red Sea, but God drowned the chariots behind them. What what was He doing in that moment? He said, I don't want to give you access back to your past. There are some bridges that you need to burn. There are moments that you need to burn in your life. See, Facebook will mess with you. It will pop up all the time. You know what, man? Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Facebook will pop up this time last year. Hey, some of y'all need to delete some of that memories because listen to me. You may not be, hey, you may have been a person last year, but you ain't the same person today. And sometimes you need to look at it and say, you know what? That person right there was still stuck in Egypt. That person right there was still stuck in their past, but this person is walking onto the promised land. This person is walking onto Canaan. This person isn't stuck back in that place. It'll mess with you. It'll mess with you. But this is a brand new year. So the first key to breaking up with Egypt to breaking this down, to getting away from it forever, is first you got to realize is that there's new management. There's new management. And in that, that means that there's a new menu. Now, I'm gonna, you guys are going to be hungry by the time we leave here. Because we're going to talk about some food. 
Miss Ruby be po- posting those pictures all the time, messing with you. <laughs> but listen, we're going to be talking about some food for a minute. Because I am a, when I go to a restaurant, I don't know about you guys, I order the same thing. When I say that I want to go to Outback, I'm not saying that I want to go Outback for the entire menu. I want the blooming onion. That's it. That's all I want. I don't care about anything else. When I say I want to go Rosie's, I'm not saying for the whole menu. I'm saying this. I want the Texas-style cheese enchiladas with no onions. I want some extra rice because that rice be fire, and that's it. I'm a creature of habit. But I remember when me and Kimmy, like, we would, uh, I mean, like, I'm talking like we were so broke, we were, we, were, we were looking up under our seats for change. You know, our car seats, we were trying to find, like, change to, to like, and, like, putting all the quarters and pennies together, anything that we could find. And, and I remember, like, there was one time when we were going out to one of our favorite places at the time. It was Ruby Tuesdays. But they did something that frustrated Frustrate me because I broke, I broke up with Ruby Tuesdays a long time ago because of this. When we got there, I ordered, I don't need the menu. See, I don't need a menu. I got it memorized. And so I ordered exactly what I always get when I go there. And it was this, it was this Cajun chicken pasta. I mean, it was just done right. I loved it. And I, when I ordered this, the person looked at me and said, we don't have that no more. Like, what? And, and my question was, because like, right there, if you've never seen me in action, I, I said, why? I got to understand. I was like, why? What was wrong with you? And they're like, we got a new menu. It's like, and then I'm saying, what was wrong with the old menu? Nothing was wrong with it. And they're like, well, we got new management. So new management means... New menu. And so, right then and there, I made a covenant. I broke up with Ruby Tuesdays because they changed the menu on me. I didn't like that. But see, when you're about to go into the new place, when you're about to go into your promised land, you need to realize this, that there's new management that's in place. See, in Egypt, as a slave, you prepared your own food from the slop and from the leftovers. This is the God who says this. He says, Whatever Pharaoh could do, I can do better. I'll create manna out of the sky because whatever Pharaoh could do, I can do it much better. You didn't have to worry about where you were going to live when you was in Egypt, but Pharaoh gave you this home and you had to build it and you had to make it work. But here's the God that says, I'll put you exactly where I want you to be and I'll provide for your needs in that moment. But here's the catch. There's new management, baby, and there's a new menu in See, so many times we want, we want God's management, but we want the enemy's menu. That's where we got land. We want God's management, but we want the enemy's menu because you say this, you say, I want God's peace, but I'll take the enemy's worry. I'll take the enemy's worry. He's the prince of peace, but I don't get his peace unless he's the prince. I don't get his peace unless he's the prince of my life. And him being the prince means he's going to dictate who I date and who I don't date. It means I, I can't say that he's the boss, but I got a whole different menu that's stashed away for the moments when it gets lonely in my life. When he's the prince, I allow him complete access to me. See, new management means a new menu. We want his management on Sunday. We want his management on Sunday. 
But we bust out our menu on Tuesday when somebody cuts us off in line or cuts us off. We order a, a, an order of like cuss you out from the menu that we want to choose from because somebody cut us off in traffic. Y'all acting like y'all, Nick, come on. Y'all acting like y'all perfect every time somebody walks out there. Now, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're, never mind. See, we want God to be, we want God's management, but we still want to eat at the table of unforgiveness. We want God's management in our life, but we still want to enjoy the meals of bitterness. We still want the meals of gossip. We still want the meals of pride. But see, what we got to realize is that his food is healthier and it don't always taste as good. It don't always taste as good, but for some of us, for some of us, we don't like God's manna. It's not because God's manna doesn't taste good. It's because of what you had in your mouth before. Have you ever, I love some orange juice. I had somebody like give me some freshly squeezed orange juice the other day. I drank the whole thing. But have you ever tried to drink orange juice after you brushed your teeth? It doesn't work. It's nasty. It's gross. It's messed up. It shouldn't be done. But here's what we, this is what we know. This is what happens. See, the taste of Egypt can be so fresh on your tongue. The taste of Egypt can be so fresh on your tongue. When you walk up in here, when you walk up into this church and you say, I'm not getting anything out of this praise. I'm not getting anything out of this worship. I'm not getting anything out of this service. Well, you know why? It's because you've been bumping Drake all week. And listen to me. Listen to me. When you get up in here, you can't even relate to what's going on because you've had the world all up in your ears and in your all week. We want God's management, but the enemy's menu. And so it's very difficult to enjoy manna when the taste of leeks, garlic, onion, meat is fresh on your tongue. See, the palate is the problem, not your meal. Your palate is the problem, not your meal. And I'm declaring that this is the year. I want you to hear me. I'm declaring that this is the year that God is about to take some taste out of your mouth. I declare right now that the enemy is not going to be able to tempt you again with what you used to taste. There's some of us in this room, you're going to forget what weed tastes like. You're going to forget what bitterness tastes like. You're going to forget what unforgiveness tastes like. You're no longer going to memorize the menu of the enemy any longer. You're going to forget what some of that hurt tastes like. Some of the things in your past taste like. And you're going to remember the good things that God has done for you in this hour. That without Him, you would not be breathing. Without Him, you would not be walking. Without Him, there would be no life in you at all. We're going to forget some things from Egypt. And so the next thing that you got to realize is not only that there's a new management, but that God is on the move. God is moving in this house. Pastor said just a little bit ago, we've had prayer going on. We have people walking in getting saved. We have things happening here all the time. God is moving in this house. And here's what I mean. God does not appear to Moses in a burning bush twice. He does it once. Did you hear this? God does not wrestle with Jacob twice. He does it once. What most of us want to do is we want to wrap God up in the last time that we experienced him. If God would have appeared to Moses in a burning bush a second time, then Moses would start to equate burning bushes with God. But God is not a burning bush. God will use a burning bush. And so in church, we get this way because we can come to church and say, they didn't sing my song. 
They didn't, they didn't play the right note. They didn't do it the right way. Do you worship the song or do you worship the... Are you hearing me this morning? Do we worship? See, in that moment, it shouldn't matter who's up on stage. It shouldn't matter who's singing. You don't need to be moved by a song. Are you hearing me, church? You, you got moved out of bed this morning. God woke you up this morning and started you on your way. I don't know about you guys, so when I got up and I started on my way, I started praising in my car on my way here because I don't need a worship leader to move me. The Bible says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and has anointed me. By, I, I want you to understand he's anointed me, so I'm moved by what God has already done in my life. I don't need somebody else to move me. I don't need somebody else. God is on the move. And so what happens in church, we get so attached so to the last thing that he did, so attached to the last thing that God did, that we try to shrink it down into a recipe. We say, if we do 10 minutes of this, 10 minutes of this, then he's going to show up. God will not be confined to a box. He will not be confined to a box. He will not be wrapped up in a recipe. So this is what you got to realize because of where we're going. God is on the move and God is saying, I'm a mighty Russian wind. And if you can follow the wind, if you can follow the cloud, then you will always have my presence. I'm not the God who can be narrowed down to a formula. Because this is why the New Testament says they had a form of God doing this, but they denied his power. See, we can have forms all day and miss the visitation. Some of us, you don't have a relationship with God. Oh, that's strong, right? No, you have a routine with God. That pause is tough, right? I don't mean that disrespectful or in any type of mean way. But some of us, we don't have a relationship with God. We have a routine with God. We have a routine with God. And see, when you have a routine, when you have a real relationship, there's some spontaneity. There's some spontaneity that takes place inside that relationship. See, what happens when God says, I want you to give more than 10% this week? Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk about money. All right, let's talk about this. Let's talk about it like this. What happens when God says on a Tuesday to go help a single mother out with some groceries? What happens when God begins to speak and tells you, I, hey, I want you to get out of your comfort zone. I want, you to, I want you to help that person behind you. I want you to pray for them. I want you to, they, they're telling you that they're sick in body. They're telling you that they, they haven't been feeling well. So I actually want you to pray for them right now. What happens in those moments when, when God asks you to evangelize to somebody? What happens when God moves you to do something? Are you stuck in a routine? Or do you have a real relationship with him? Because God is on a move. So many times if you were to ask a Christian, when, at what point in their life were they closer to the Lord? They always point to a time in the past, don't they? You know what that is? That's a trap of the enemy. To keep you in a cycle. To keep you ungrateful for where you are, right where you are, in the moment that you are. Listen to me. To keep you on a leash back to Egypt. To keep you in the same routine, to keep you in the same place, to keep you stuck in Egypt. The next thing is, not only is he going to move, but in this season, guys, our memories can't be trusted. Our memories can't be trusted. What slaves do you know that eat, they eat like leeks, garlics, onion, milk, uh, meat, and then they have like fish and all that stuff? What type, what type of like, what type of slave, what, what is this that the scripture says? 
Slaves eat slop and, and leftovers. That's what you would think. But here's, let's say this. Let's say even if they had ate it. Even if they ate exactly what they said in, their, in the scripture. This is what they say. They say, Moses, do you remember the meat we ate at no cost? At no cost. See, wait a second. There was a cost involved. There was a cost involved. It was actually your life, your whole life. But here's what we do so many times. I want you to hear me, church. We glorify the perks. We glorify the perks and we forget about the price. We glorify the perks and we forget about the price. See, you romanticize all the perks that you used to enjoy. So when you start, when you, when you start thinking about your past, you romanticize all the highlights in your brain because your brain doesn't want to experience pain. So your brain suppresses all the memories that were so painful. See, we remember the perks in that relationship that wasn't good for us. We remember the perks. See, I remember that some of you got, I, I remember on Valentine's Day. He brought me flowers. I, man, I dealt with, I, I deal with, you know, young ladies that, that tell me this. So I, he brought me flowers on Valentine's Day. But then there's gotta be somebody in their life that says, do you remember that that relationship was horrible? That you bailed this dude out of jail? They didn't have a job. Yeah, they didn't have a job. They didn't, you know, that, that all this stuff, you were, you were romanticizing all the highlights. And so you were, you weren't in those, that relationship because of all this list. This list is huge. Of all these reasons why you shouldn't be in this relationship. But so many times we go back to Egypt for the perks. And we forget about the price. See, this can happen in married life too. This can happen with married people. We remember the meat we ate at no cost. See, it can happen with married people. I remember, you know, there's people in this room. You remember, like, some of the guys in this room, you're like, man, before I got married, I was free. I can hang out with my boys. I can hang out with my boys. I could go play golf all day long. I could do whatever I wanted to do at any point. But, and we was tight. We was tight. But do you remember when you were single, praying for a wife? You were praying for a godly wife. Some of the ladies need to start shouting. You were praying for a godly wife. And now the thing you're complaining about in this season is something you asked God for in a previous season. How is it that you're so upset with the burden of a relationship in this season, but you are praying, you are praying for the blessing of a relationship in the previous season? See, if you're going to remember the good old days, remember the whole picture. Don't forget, don't leave out, every, don't leave out the price. Just, you're going to remember it, remember it all. I remember I was stuck in traffic the other day as I was driving back and forth. I was in, uh, I think it was in uh, North Carolina, it was like a couple weeks ago. I was preaching. I preached for four nights. I was exhausted. And I'm coming back through Atlanta. And, and Atlanta tests your patience. It tests your, your relationship with the Lord. It tests everything. And so in that moment, I'm sitting there. I'm in the car. I'm stuck in traffic. And I'm complaining. I'm complaining to myself. I'm by myself. And I'm saying, God, I've been out preaching for you. Don't you love it when you start... You start off like that, and God just kind of, I know he just smiled. I've been out preaching for you, God. And like you kind of cry baby in a little bit. God, I'm stuck in traffic with the AC. I'm stuck in traffic. I'm, I'm here. And I'm, and I'm, guys, I'm telling you, I'm griping. I'm mad. 
But God said, do you remember in the last season when you asked me to open up doors for you to begin to preach to this? Oh, wow. Wow. So I started thanking him. I'm like, God, I'm going to be home late, but I thank you. I thank you for the air conditioner that's running in this car right now. God, I thank you. For where I'm at right now, I thank you that I'm stuck in traffic and I'm not dead in traffic. I thank you, God, that I'm here. I thank you, God, that while I was out speaking, that lives were changed, that God did some great things. See, some of us, you're like, I can't believe these kids. They don't listen to me. But in a previous season, God, give me children. God, give me children. I'll do whatever you want. He gave them to you. And we're like, the thing you're complaining about in this season is something that you begged God for in a previous season. So if you're going to remember everything, if you're going to remember the good old days, please remember everything along the way. We're almost done. I got one more point and I'm done. The next thing is you got to do more dreaming than you do dwelling. Do more dreaming than you do dwelling. I've got to, I got to be dreaming about my future, not dwelling on the past. See, your memories are a playground. Did you hear me? Your memories are a playground. And you let yourself play in the playground long enough, you don't realize that the monkey bars are all rusted, that you're getting cut up and you're getting scratched. The memories, they're a playground. You're scraping yourself. And as long as you're dwelling in your past, you will always compare. You will always compare. See, comparison is good for like when you're going to, I, I guess like, buy a car or you're trying out like a new outfit or or something like that but comparison is not good when you're comparing your current spouse to an ex-boyfriend or you're comparing your spouse to somebody else's spouse as long as you play in the playground of your memories you're getting hurt and you don't even know it and you will never appreciate the miracle of the manna you will never appreciate the miracle of the manna that God has put in your life right now because you're so stuck in some fantasy that happened 10 years ago. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting somebody free today. I'm here to help you, not to harm you, not to hurt you. I'm here to help you because you have control over what you think about. And if you're going to stop and and if you're going to stop dwelling on the past, it means you're going to have to dream about the future. Your mind only has so much space. Your mind only has so much space. So you need to get your mind so tired of dreaming that it has no more energy to dwell. You should be busy dreaming about what God's going to do. You should be dreaming about the grapes you're going to get when you're in Canaan, when you're in the promised land, not about the meat you ate in Egypt. I can deal with the manna in the wilderness because I'm dreaming about the milk and the honey that I'm going to get while I'm in the promised land. I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. What is God going to do in my life five years from now? What is God going to do when I turn a corner in my life? I'm dreaming. I've already named my kids. I've named my kids already. I'm believing God for a big miracle in my life. I'm dreaming about my future. I know what God is going to do for me. And listen to me. If my brain is going to be anywhere, it's going to be ahead of me, not behind me. If I'm dreaming about what God is going to do next, I'm infatuated with my future. You need to be dreaming and not dwelling. I want the worship team to come on up. Got one more. I told you. One more thing, then I'm done. Last thing. Your thoughts should be forward and not backwards. As long as you're dreaming about your future, you won't have the mental capacity to dwell on your past. 
And the last thing I'm going to say is this. Praise will determine your power. Praise will determine your power. I'll say it this way. Praise will predict your palate. See, the manna don't taste good because there ain't no praise on your lips. <laughs> the, the manna don't taste right because you're not, there's no praise there. I, I know the manna is plain. I know the manna don't taste like a lot. But you know what? It's better than nothing, right? It's better than nothing. And, and here's what I know. If you grew up in a home like I grew up in, alright? If you grew up in a home like I, I grew up in, if you didn't eat what your mama made for you, my mama would say this. She would say, you must not be hungry then. And then she would look at me and she'd say, you going to bed hungry. You're going to bed hungry. I, I don't, I don't made this food for you and you don't want to eat it. You're going to bed hungry. See, when you really have a relationship with God, you can say, I thank you for the circumstance that I don't like right now. I know I don't really have a taste for manna. But I thank you for it. I will not come into your house. I will not come into your place. I will not come into this place and not praise you for what I got. When I praise God for what I got, it means I can get more. You see, you only get more when you give your compliments to the chef. See, when God says, when you say to God, like, I like this manna. See, that's easy cooking for hungry people. Whenever you say, this manna tastes good, I can't believe this manna falls from the sky every day. God goes, boom. If you're praising me for the manna. I want you to hear me. If you're praising me for the manna, you must be ready for the grapes on the other side. You must be ready for the milk and honey that's in the promised land. You must be ready for what I'm about to do next in your life. But I can't say I'm ready for next if I'm not willing to praise God over what I got right now. Over what I got right now. Jesus, I thank you for that hoopty I had to drive this morning. Anybody else? Hey, the car started this morning. Come on. It, it got you here this morning. So Jesus, I'm going to thank you for the car that I have. I'm going to thank you for my spouse. I'm going to thank you for my kids. They're crazy right now, but I know, I know inside of each and every one of them, there's a world changer. There's somebody that's going to make a difference. So I'm going to give you praise for my kids. I'm going to give you praise for my home. It's not the home that I've always wanted, but this is my home. This is my place. This is what you gave me, God. So I'm going to give you praise. See, I thank you for every giant that I've had to face in my life. Because every moment, every moment that that giant came out, out, came after me, God pulled the king out of me. When a shepherd showed up to the fight, he pulled something out of me in that moment. I thank God for every moment, for every season, for every good, for every bad. I thank you. I can find the manna. I can find the manna in every moment, in every season. See, we need to learn to thank God for every season, for everything he's done in our life. See, in our culture, everything is controlled by negative. Everything is controlled by negative. Everything. Negative news, negative this, negative that, negative this, negative this, negative this, negative this. And meanwhile, if we're not careful, that can creep inside the church. And we look around and it's like, man... God, I remember the good old days. Or you, or you just look around and you're talking to people. Man, I remember the good old days. No, 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 no. What is God doing right now? What do you have to be thankful for right now? What I thank you, God, for my current season. I thank you, God, for the challenges. I thank you for the disappointments. I thank you, God. God, I can praise you because you're bigger than this. 
You're bigger than the challenge that I'm looking at. You see the woman with the issue of blood. I thought, I, I think it's such an incredible story. I think it's such an incredible story because she, the Bible says that she suffered for 12 years. She suffered for 12 years, but her perspective was unique. Instead of complaining when she got to Jesus. Or instead of complaining, we don't, we don't hear a story of her complaining about nobody letting her through. I love how she just made her way. I love that. But you don't hear her complain about it. Her, her perspective was completely unique in this moment. She realized that she has survived, defying the odds every year that she was alive. She transitioned, in my, in my mind, from a suffering woman to a surviving woman in God's eyes. And in that moment, in that moment where she could have been complaining, she could have been whining and had every right to, she reached out and she grabbed her miracle. She grabbed her miracle. See, because everything that didn't take you out is the thing that you overcame. Everything that didn't take you out is the thing that you overcame. I can thank God that you may not healed me yet, but you've sustained me. I can find something to be thankful about. You sustain me, God. You sustained me. I thank God that I don't have everything that I want, but I got everything that I need. Anybody else? I can thank God. God, you've been better than you've been better than good to me. You've been better to me than I've been to myself. So how dare I stay silent? How dare I not praise him in his presence? How dare I not give him thanks? How dare I not thank God? I will give your name praise. Thank you for delivering me out of Egypt. Thank you. Thank you, God, for parting the Red Sea for me. Thank you for the manna in the wilderness. I thank you in advance for the Canaan, the promised land that I'm about to walk in. See, nobody has to force me to praise. I've got enough discernment in my life to know if it had not been for Jesus, if it had not been for God, if it had not been for him showing up, where would I be? So I got I got enough discernment to realize that, that I'm going to have some praise on my lips. I'm going to have some thankfulness on my lips. I'm going to have some gratefulness on my lips. Because, see, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen them forsaken or seed begging for bread. You can either complain about the meat. You can either complain about the meat you miss or you can praise God they deliver you from Egypt, from all that mess. From all that mess. See, God delivered me. God delivered me. You see, the enemy wants you to focus on all the problems. But, you see, when you have a palate that's been trained, when your palate's been trained, when that palate has been trained, the enemy can throw all the negative all around you. But there's something inside of you that's a little bit bigger. There's a gratefulness, there's a praise that's there. That, that's why I always say is that there can be chaos all around you, but revival inside of you. In the middle of the chaos. In the middle of the chaos. In the middle of the chaos. You see... When you have praise on your lips, you know what it does? It influences how everything else tastes. It influences everything else, how everything else tastes. When there's praise on your lips, it changes your perspective. They'll say, psychologists even say this, they say, for somebody that will be thankful, that will, that will find 10 things each day to be thankful for and declare that something shifts inside your 
your mind. And they're, they're saying that people are having, they're like, they're, they're seeing people that are coming away from, like, that normally are, are struggling with depression and anxiety, all these things. They're seeing them walk away from these moments because of praise. I'm not, I'm not saying that's for everybody. I'm saying several little, some of the research that I was doing. It's amazing what praise does. It's amazing what praise does. So the question today is, can you praise in such a way that it forces your palate? To change because you can't walk into Canaan. You can't walk into your promised land with the memories of your past. You can't walk into your new holding on to your old. You can't walk into, we can't walk into what Calvary has for us. Can we be real for a second? When we're dreaming about the belt line all day. That. I have some of the greatest memories of my life there. Anybody else? Some of my, I, some of my Calvary folk, no. Some of my greatest memories of my life. My family was saved there. My parents were remarried there. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, like right on, on the right side of the, the auditorium, in the main auditorium, right over. I mean, I remember, boy, I remember. But listen, I can't keep holding on. And we're trying to go forward. Because God wants to move in a new way, in a fresh way right now. And we got to be ready for it. It may not happen with the, it may not happen with the curtain coming up and the choir going. I love that. But it may not happen like that. But there's a new, there's a new menu. And listen, we serve the same God. Same God. And today, I want you to understand. We can't move forward. If we continue to hold on to things from the past, continue to hold it on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So when there's praise on my lips, it makes everything taste better. And there's, there's moments, I feel like after today, there's some of us going to say, hey, pass the manna to me. I'll take the manna. I'll take the manna. Thank you for listening today. We hope you found this message uplifting and encouraging. If you're looking to connect in person, we gather every Sunday at 10 a.m. You can also find us online at calvaryassembly.org. And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for more content, updates, and to stay connected with our community.